Hey, if you are new here, my name is Kenny, and I would love to say hi to you at some point after the gathering. Um, it'd be fun to introduce myself, and it'd be fun to hear a little bit about you. Uh, if, again, you have your Bibles, we're going to open them to Romans chapter 5. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. If you are new, though, or you're jumping in here halfway, that's okay. We're going to do a quick recap uh, before we jump into 5. As you know, we've been working through Romans, and we've called this uh, series The Good News for Everyone. It started off by uh, talking about this message of good news, uh, which has revealed God's rightness and our wrongness. Paul's message is that all humanity is out of sync with God because of sin. The good news is everyone has an opportunity to be, back, be brought back in, though, because of God's Grace. The message is, before God, you and I are inherently wrong, but can be made right in Jesus. By grace, through faith, we can be a part of God's family. That's the message of the good news. In Romans 1, 16 through 17, we're actually reminded of this good news when Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then halfway through chapter 1, we see Paul shift to kind of a new topic, and that is the heart of the good news, where we saw that this news is more than just about believing that Jesus came, died, and rose again, but instead it's supposed to touch everything. It's our foundation. It's supposed to shape the way we see our entire lives. Today, Paul's making another turn, beginning in chapter 5, and he shifts to the hope of the good news. So let's take a look. Romans 5, starting in verse 1, it says this. I'm going to read the whole, first, the whole thing, first uh, five verses. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Remember, when we define justification, we said that this is something God has extended to his kids. Because of his grace, God has placed us in the right. Our justification is not simply a guarantee of heaven as thrilling as that is, but it is also the source of tremendous, tremendous blessing here and now for us to enjoy today. For whatever reason, when I was thinking about this today, Costco came to mind. Costco, yeah, yeah, Costco. I, I thought of that because, man, we would all think that it's super, super, super strange if you had membership and you just stood by the garage doors. 
There's so much discounts that are offered inside. I don't know if you guys went before, I think it was before Christmas, there were lines and lines and lines because TVs were so, so cheap. And by the way, they have samples. There's so much joy to be had today and in the future as a follower of Jesus. It's both and. So in light of all that we've seen up to chapter 5, here are three realities that justification brings. Three realities that you and I can enjoy now. Number one is justification brings peace with God. It says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to walk a very fine line right now, and that is this. We need to know that, that before salvation, there is no peace with God. But you have to understand that God loves you so, so much. It's kind of this weird tension that's happening. And, and God plays it out perfectly. Don't ask me how it all completely works. But we know that before salvation, no person has peace with God. There is an actual war going on between God and us. Let me explain. When you sin, you not only break God's law, but you assume the right and the authority to do so. You claim leadership over yourself and the world around you, your world. But God claims leadership over the same things. Whenever two parties claim absolute control over something, there is war. Our disobedience also means that God has a problem with it. There's an issue. Paul has already told us that God's wrath is upon us. God's anger is not the same as ours. It's not vengeful or vindictive. It's actually legal. At some level, I think this is hard for us to hear. Are you serious? God's got a problem with me? In my experience, this is kind of bled out of two different things. One, you've been told that you're good for a really long time. Kenny, I wish there were more people like you. You're such a good guy. Or when I was growing up, you're such a good kid. Great job, Kenny. Good job. Oh, you're so good. I think that's one way we start believing this. I think another way is we compare our lives to the person next to us. Kenny, you're, okay, come on, man. I'm, I'm pretty good because did you hear about my neighbor? Or man, the guy who's in the cubicle next to me, did you hear about what he did last weekend? You need to know, despite popular belief, you're not good enough. You might be nice, but in no way are you perfect like God is. And this is why the gospel is such good news. Because although God's wrath 
is there, his love is also there and he wants to rescue you. Tim Keller says this, there is a sentence on us and it cannot just be discarded. The debt cannot be wished away. This is why we cannot simply turn back to God as though we on our side can do all that is necessary to be at peace once more. We need it to become true that we were reconciled to him and have now received reconciliation, that his anger has been taken away. Peace with God is not something that we achieve, but rather it's given by God because he has justified us. God has placed us in the right. For those who trust him, there is now peace. Let's keep reading. It says again, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Justification also brings God's power and his presence. We get God's undeserved favor and his abiding presence. With God being so great and us not being good enough, we need to be brought near to him or introduced to him. This is a result of justification. Because of God, we have been given a favorable position with God. Justification is not merely the removal of hostility, but actually there's a positive aspect too, and that is relationship. We actually get friendship with God. We can go to God continually with our requests, problems, and failures, and he hears us, and he relates to us. I was thinking about this in my own life, and one of the, I think, places that I've seen this the most is, is actually in our recent adoption. Um, six, almost seven months ago, wow, we adopted my second child. Her name is Ellery. And during that time, I remember praying and asking God for a lot of different things. And I'd like to share two of those prayers with you today. One of those prayers was this. God, give us grace in turbulent times. When it was all said and done, Kimberly and I and my son Parker, we were connected to five different potential children before we adopted my daughter. God was so gracious in those times, healing our crushed hopes and giving us perseverance. He was our strength. Another prayer that I remember kept coming up, my, my friends would ask me, what can I specifically be praying for? And I would say, oh, you know, would you please pray? This is after we, we met Ellery's birth mom, Emily. I said, would you please pray that God would knit our family and Emily in a special, special way. And before my daughter was born, we met with her birth mom a few different times. We met her whole family. They all met Parker. We shared meals together. And it seemed like we had known each other for so much longer. God 
was knitting us together. The night before my daughter was born, we went up to spend some time with Emily and our agency had told us, hey, listen, it'll probably be about an hour. This hour turned into four hours of us just being together. It was a really special time of sharing stories, laughing, crying, and watching God continue to knit our families together. The next day, Ellery was born. My wife, Kimberly, was in the room, which Emily had asked her to be in the night before, which was a surprise to us. Again, God knitting us together. Lastly, another really cool thing, a cool moment that I will never forget was when Emily's dad prayed for my daughter. Holding her in his hands, he said, God, we can't wait until Ellery knows you. We can't wait until she trusts in you as, your, as her Savior and Lord. God was knitting us together. God answered our prayers in ways we could have never imagined. And I'm thankful that we get friendship with God. I'm thankful we can go to God continually with our requests, problems, and even our failures. God, friends, God hears us. He does. And I actually, I think it's worth right now just pausing for a moment. All of us together as a community. God wants to hear from you. Today, right now. And I think we could just move on, but I think this is special. I think that we should go to God together. Right now, by yourself, in your chair, the way you want to, for a moment, bring your request to God. What's on your heart? Maybe it's just you need to be honest with Him. Right now, together, let's do that. And then I'll close us in prayer when I think we're done. Let's just do that together as a community. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you that we can bring our cares to you and you hear us. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Remember, justification brings God's power and presence to us and as his kids were standing in it for whatever reason I, I had another picture come to mind we are standing in it we were running the other day and we smelt dog yes dog poop we smelled it and we couldn't figure out where it was coming from it was on one of our shoes we were standing in it 
This is what I'm talking about right now is, again, justification brings God power and presence. And we as his kids are standing in it. Please take note here. We don't move in and out of this favorable position. I think sometimes we're confused here. Your efforts, friends, your efforts didn't get you right with God. Remember, God justified you. In a similar way, okay, in a similar way, your actions can't move you out of this favorable position. Once you trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you stand in a place of closeness. You have his power and presence. And this remains even if you've been lousy behaviorally. This remains. By no means does God approve of your ungodly behavior. So hear me. Hear me correctly. God doesn't approve of your ungodly behavior, but this doesn't mean he bolts or is no longer with you. See, this is important to understand because I think some of you are caught in the trap of guilt. God is shouting, you are forgiven. I am with you. Follow me. But some of you are living as if you're condemned. You just won't accept God's grace. See, the real king is saying you're justified. But you as the small and little king is saying, ah, that's just really not enough. This sort of thing has to stop. Please, please stop thinking this way. I ask God to please help us to stop believing this lie. Help us to remember what we're standing in. Justification also brings hope. Romans 5.2 says this, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. To hope means to want something without certainty. But the Greek word underlying it is elpis, means a conviction. It, this is what that means. It means a conviction. And Christian hope is not a hopeful wish. It is a hope-filled certainty. The more we experience our peace and access with the Father, the more desirous we are to see him face to face. And the more certain and thrilled we become of being with God forever. Remember my Costco analogy? Friends, I plead with you. Please don't stand outside of Costco with your membership card. Go in and enjoy the samples. Go in and enjoy those hot dog thingies wrapped in bun. I don't even know what those are. Yeah, some of you are going, I, that's crazy. That's crazy. In Christ, we have been freed from our past. Our old record of rebellion and sin is put away and we have peace with God. We are free in the present to enjoy personal relationship with him. And we will one day most certainly experience the freedom of a life lived in the full, awesome presence of God's glory. We can agree these are fabulous benefits of justification but friends, we can also agree that life is complex. It has its challenges. And Paul addresses that in verse 3. Let's take a look. 
Verse 3 says, not only so, but we also glory in. Let's pause for a moment there. Verse 3 starts by saying, yes, celebrate the peace we have with God. Yes, celebrate the relational access you have with God. Yes, celebrate the hope that you have of being with him forever. But there is more. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Paul is saying, in effect, I know Christians will continue to suffer, but life's difficulties do not contradict what I have already said. There are wonderful blessings of following Jesus. In fact, God actually uses suffering to bring us even more blessing. God doesn't waste suffering. So what are some ways that we suffer? This is not an exhaustive list, but some. Some suffering is self-induced. Sometimes we suffer consequences from our own actions. You steal, you get caught, there's a penalty. The good news is you can be forgiven. The good news is your challenge is, God uses. You might have hard times because of your actions, but God can use those for your good and for his glory. We also suffer, though, because of others. People's actions toward us are sinful sometimes, and that's painful. We don't want to brush over the real pain we feel because of things others have done. But God can give you the power to forgive. God can keep you from letting the pain overwhelm you. Or even worse, move you to a place of bitterness. We also see that suffering comes from following Jesus. You might lose a friendship. You might lose a position at work. You might get left out or just laughed at. That's real suffering. My point is that suffering comes in all sorts of forms. And no matter what kind it is, let's be honest. It hurts. It's painful. But remember, those in Jesus are being shaped by him. God doesn't always keep us from suffering, but he promises to use it for our good. He promises to use it for our good. I was trying to think through one of my greatest moments of suffering in my life. And it actually had to do with a relationship. Relationship went south. And you, I felt like from my perspective, I tried to engage it. And that wasn't helpful. I got to a place so much where actually I didn't, I didn't trust this person. When I saw them, it just there's all kinds of emotions ran through me. So much that I had to engage God about this person in a way that says, God, I, I want to forgive them. God, I, I need your help in forgiving them. 
God, please don't let my heart move to bitterness. I don't want to be in that spot. And see, what happened in that suffering was my eyes turned to the true source of joy. Oftentimes, I don't know, we got any people who are, you know, uh, I'm a people pleaser, you know, in the room. I mean, that can move us to a place where we think that's where our joy is. Man, if people just like me, what happens when they don't? When we move to a spot where our true joy is found, often in that time of suffering, friends, I can tell you that personally, I was constantly having to redirect and go, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you to show up. That right there is what Paul's talking about. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of suffering, God can use it for your good. There is great blessing to be had in suffering. It's a way, it's not the way, it's a way that blessing comes. And that's God's goodness. He does not waste suffering. To conclude, in Jesus, you've been justified. So enjoy the peace you have with God. Know you are close. Know this will not change. If you have not trusted in Jesus, then you have no peace with God. But the good news is that can change today. Through his son Jesus, God has invited you into his family. God is saying, hey, there's no peace between us, but gosh, I love you. I loved you so much that I sent my son to pay your debt. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you during the next set of, of worship to say a simple prayer. God, I love you. Please forgive me of my sin. And I want to follow you all of my days. It's that simple. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And you will be saved. For those of you who have been justified, enjoy peace with God. But also live in his power and presence. He loves hearing from you. Lean into him. Give him your cares. Share your heart with him. Be honest. Ask him for stuff. Run after him. We also have hope. Those who are justified have hope. Jesus saves. He is saving. And one day you and I will be saved forever. Remember, God's promise is for today and tomorrow. God is already preparing your future. Life might be difficult today, but those in Jesus will live with Jesus forever. Do you anticipate that day? Are you anxiously awaiting Christ's return? Lastly, we don't look forward to suffering, but instead we want to grow in seeing it as a catapult to a greater love for God. Suffering reminds us of our true source of joy. With all this in mind, I want to finish by reading verse 5. I think this is a great way to end. 
Verse 5 says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a great way to end. I want to pray real quick and then I just want us to respond to the love God has poured out by worshiping him together in song. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for all that you have given to us. First, thank you for justification. Thank you for putting us in the right. Thank you for placing us there. And it's in that spot, God, we have peace with you. It's in that spot, God, we experience your power and presence. And it's in that spot, God, that we have true hope. Thank you so much. God, I pray that this next part of our gathering would be one that is worshipful to you because of all that you've given. We love you in your name.